Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by uncontrollable flatulence. Instead, it's supported by the generous contributions of people like you, our listeners, on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, as always, joined by... Devin! And Wolf. Wolf? Yeah, that's my new name. Oh! <laughs> Turn in a new leaf. I wanted something a little more macho, so I decided <laughs> to go for Wolf. <laughs> so you can all call me Wolf. All right, Wolf. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Arf, arf. Okay, okay, so it's it's Steve, Devin, and the old wolf. Yeah, hi there. Um, so, no bark. <laughs> no bark. <laughs> Enough of that. Uh, well, hey, everybody. This week, uh, as always, we have a mystery. Uh, this mystery was a listener suggestion. It was suggested by Meredith. So yeah. thank you, Meredith. I know yeah, she thanks. sent this one in a while back. I'm going to say Meredith was the first of many. Uh, yeah, we yeah. probably just didn't record the rest. Of no, we Sorry, didn't. Guys. It's the first Sorry, come, first guys. serve kind of thing. Sorry. Really? But uh, what we're going to talk about this week is the Lost Dutchman's Mine. The what? 
The Lost Dutchman's Mine. Oh, crap. I misread it. I thought it was the Lost Dutch Boy paint store franchise. Sounds uh, so similar. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually a legitimate mystery. They built this franchise, and they wrote the address down on a piece of paper, and then somebody lost it. The piece of paper, that is. Oh, I thought they lost the little boy. No, no. That's then, another mystery? Yeah, okay. so, yeah. No, we just proved that one. All right, well, let's let's focus yeah. on this mystery. Okay, yeah, the, yeah. the mine. Okay, yeah. not All right. the story. Um, <clears throat> so, before we get started with the mystery, I do want to say that... There's several Lost Dutchman's Mines across the U.S. We are specifically talking about the one that is believed to be in the Superstition Mountains in Arizona. That's the big one. It is the big one, but there are others, so I just want to make sure. A brief overview before we get into most of it is the legend of the Lost Dutchman's Mind, which says that there is a gold mine with an amazingly pure vein of gold, and it was found either by the Apaches at some unknown time in history, by the Spanish in the 1500s, or a German immigrant in the 1800s. The mine is believed to be located somewhere in the Superstition Mountains, and it's believed to be in the vicinity of, there's a peak called Weaver's Needle, and that's where everybody thinks it's at, and supposedly the mine is lost, but the funny thing is, is that it wasn't lost before gold was pulled out of it and brought back to civilization, Mm -hmm. possibly along with a map, maybe not. Don't yeah. know. Stories vary, and that's something I'll preface this with. There uh, are multiple versions there are of this lots story. Of stories regarding this thing. That's what makes it so fun. It is. Yeah. It's kind of boring if you just say, I don't know, there was a mine, but we don't really know where it is anymore. Yeah, yeah. And episode over. Done. No, it's not the way it's going to go. Not quite. Um, so since the story came out, in, in whichever time frame it is that it came out, whether it was with the Spanish or uh, with the German miner in the 1800s, people have since been going out into the desert searching for the mine. Uh, if they're lucky, they just lose their fortunes. If they're not so lucky, they're losing their lives. Happens, yeah. It does. And part of the reason for that is because people go looking for it. And they aren't exactly seasoned prospectors. They didn't know what they were doing. They weren't prepared. And so you add that in with the weather and the countryside, and it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, especially if you go out by yourself, which some people do. Which is do. A, a lot of people seem to have died. And anytime yeah. you go out in the wilderness by yourself, by the way, you know, you're taking a big chance. It's a bad idea. Yeah, it is. So let's give a, a little bit of uh, geographic info here just so people know where we're talking about. Okay. Superstition Mountains themselves are roughly uh, 50 miles or 80 kilometers east of Phoenix, Arizona. The temperatures in the area swing, this is in the summers, they swing from a low of 80 degrees to a high of 106 degrees, and that is the average in that time frame. Yeah, in the winter, it's like it's also super, really weird. It's super cold. Because it's high plains, yeah. right? Yeah, so. and it's, it's, it's desert, and deserts aren't known for being warm in the winters. No, no actually. Actually, even in the summertime, the desert gets pretty damn cold at night. It can. I, I was thinking, are you talking 80 degrees at night? Yes, the that's night? the low. I'm sure, I, I would think it would get a lot lower than that even. Uh, it, it can, but this is, you know, I'm, this is, this is the high. So this is, say, mid-peak July. Oh, okay. August, you know, then the, there's not so much a temperature swing at that point. Oh, okay. So these are highs of 80 to 106, not mm-hmm. the lows. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So the, the other reason, you know, as we said, it's a desert. It only gets a couple, I think, what is it, eight inches of rain a year. So it's not as if you're just going to find pools of water laying around to no, fill no, your canteen up with. No Beverly nope. Springs. No. Nope. None of that. 
So the whole place is, it's rock, it's scrub, it's valleys and bluffs, and it's just not the place that anybody should be going wandering into unprepared and most definitely not on their own. Uh, oh, I, sure. I recommend you get a guide if you're going to go. Or yeah. like five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which guns? But do they have rattlers up there? The ones that little babies have or the snake? Yeah, the snake. Yeah. They do. They okay. do. They have, they have snakes. And probably some other creepy crawlies. That I yeah, kind of like Australia. Yeah. Not as bad. Nothing's as bad as Australia. In Australia, everything wants to kill you. Arizona is the Australia of America. Let's be That's fair. Probably, yeah, yeah, that is true. But I don't know about that. But I'm sure there's um, some other places that'll take umbrage at that. So I'll let them email us. Okay. Ha! If you're the most poisonous state in America, we want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. New Jersey. Oh, wait, that's the wrong kind of poison. Wrong, wrong. Okay. So there's there's a misnomer in our story that I want to clear up real quick also before we get into it, and that is the name of the mine. We here in the U.S., we're super culturally sensitive, especially in the 1800s, and so oh, that's yeah. where this comes from, uh-huh. is the mine was found by a man who was called the Dutchman, mm-hmm. but he wasn't Dutch, he was German. So Deutsch, so yeah. being as, like I said, sensitive as we are, Deutsch, Dutch, Close potato, enough. potato, they're the same thing. Yeah. So that's why it's called that. So as I said before, there are multiple versions of this story, and there are multiple variants of each version. So what I've decided to do here is kind of what I've done in the past. I've packed each one up into as much of a, a story as I can With without nice veering off. Yep, without go veering down every little side alley here. So if you're familiar with the story and this doesn't made up exactly with what you've heard, well, that's because it's a variant. So okay. initially, the story, so this is the earliest version of the story of the Lost Dutchman's Mine. It comes from the Apaches, the Indians, American Indians who lived in the area. And they, of course, were there before Spanish or Europeans showed up. The story that they tell is about a sacred cave that houses the spirits that protect the mountain. The entrance to the cave, according to their legend, is protected by a pair of rattlesnakes. One is male and one is female. Between those snakes are two cups, and I believe it's shell cups, if I remember right. To enter the cave, though, you need to walk up to the cups and have a blue stone and a white stone, and you need to put those into the cups, uh, The or in some other versions, they're a blue and a white feather, but you're going to put them into the cups, it is going to be that the female will get the white stone and the male will get the blue stone. And when you do that, that will prompt the snakes to leave the entrance of the cave and you can enter it. Mm-hmm, okay. now, what's really interesting is when I was listening to, or when I was reading this and, and then I watched um, In Search Of, the old Leonard Nimoy show, yeah. which was a lot of fun. I didn't realize he hosted that show. For, it just completely yeah. evaporated from my head. Mm-hmm. But the, the guy was telling the story and then I, I was like, okay, so this is just kind of a, is allegory, is that the right word to say? Mm, allegory, yeah. yeah. I think it's allegory. Is it allegory? Yeah. Okay. okay. So I was thinking, oh, it's just an allegory, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, a story with a hidden meaning. Right. And then I started reading on some boards about this, and people are saying that they were interpreting this to mean that the entrance of the cave was protected or covered by two actual 
rattlesnake stone statues and that the stone, the blue and the white stone would act as a key to open it, which doesn't mate up at all with what we know of what the, the tribes of the American Indians did. But it was an interesting idea to me. It, was I this on even... Web Sleuths? No. Are you sure? Absolutely sure this wasn't on Web Sleuths. This mm. was on some miners board. Mm. But you, know, you, people, uh, but you actually... It was so a Dutch board. There's these two statues that are closed Very together. Very Indiana you, Jones-esque. Yeah, and then you put the stones in and give them a twist and they slide apart. You got it. That's I, silly. I think that's a little bit beyond Apache technology, to tell you the truth. Well, maybe it was alien technology. Uh, maybe. Yeah. That's I mean, I, like, I love the idea. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Again, I, don't, I agree. I don't think it's right. No. But... Cool. Yeah, I think... Yeah. No. All right. Well, this, let me finish yeah. up just with this bit of the story, then, okay. then we'll keep going. I, I know you don't think that's right, and that's fine. I just thought it was fun. Good. Okay, um, fair. I got the feeling from what I read and listened to about the the story from the Apache that the cave is not so much, you know, this this gold-filled thing, but instead was a place to go to commune with the spirits of the Suspicion Mountains. Um, you know, I think it was a thunder god I heard it referred to in, or saw it referred to in one place, so I don't know, but it seems like it's more of a, a spiritual place for them, not a gold thing. That would make sense. I mean, mm. it's my understanding that historically Native American peoples have had more of like a reverence for the space that they're in mm-hmm. than the sort of, wow, that's gold. Um, let's take it. Well, yeah, they didn't, they didn't really it. have. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would have loved to have had the gold if they'd have been valuable in their economy, but it really wasn't. But it wasn't, yeah. yeah. And it would make sense that you might look at that and think, yeah, that's a, that's a special place mm-hmm. th- that I'm going to talk to somebody important in. But the value is not what's in the walls. The value is in the space itself, yeah. based on your your belief culture. system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's go on from here. We have uh, our next. Actually, we have two versions of this story that revolve around the Spanish. Of course. According, yeah, of course. According to this version of the story, about 1540, a Spanish conquistador named Francisco Vasquez de Coronado, he came to the area and he was looking for the seven golden cities of Cibola. And they, the Spanish met the Apache and they told him about the Suspicion Mountains. And he immediately interpreted their stories to mean that one of the golden cities of Cibola was there. And he is, his men immediately went to search the area. They, they obviously, they, they never found it, but while they were in the area, they kept mysteriously losing men. And that's the way you'll see it described, is men would just evaporate or disappear. And I don't know if really they were deserting or if they'd falling off cliffs. I have no idea. Probably deserting. But, uh, although it's always possible the Apaches were kidnapping them and murdering them, too. It's, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely possible. Um, so, so I don't know. That's where... Uh, the the Spanish the actual 1540 version of the story mm-hmm. ends mm-hmm. and it, it disappears from there but it, it dovetails quite nicely in with the second part of our story here the last telling of the story which is probably the most fleshed out because I think it's the most popular pushing us into the 1840s there's a man named Don Miguel Peralta and he's the member of a prominent family, and he goes out looking for the gold that De Coronado couldn't find in the 15, 300 years earlier. Mm-hmm. He, uh, by the way, remember that name. Uh, well, I watched The Wire, so uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Wrong, not, not, not that, that, that not, person. Not no, that Peralta. No, Peralta, no. Uh, in this story, his name is peppered all over the place. Okay. So the story goes that Don Miguel Peralta went out searching for the, uh, the gold in the Suspicion Mountains, and he indeed found it, and he returned to the site that he had found the gold with uh, a whole host of workers and began to mine it. Being that he was digging in sacred territory, the Apache were none too keen with that. Mm -hmm. And he figured, well, it's probably time to pack up and get out of here. But being unwilling to just leave his gold mine open for any old schmo to just wander in and start working, he he somehow covers the entrance of the mine. And I I don't know how he does that. Probably dynamite. Yeah, Maybe. I was going to say blowing it up is yeah, a pretty good a way. Easy yeah, way. but it yeah. makes it hard to go back and start working. That's that's why I don't know how he did it, but that doesn't really pay too much into this. Uh, because what happens is that he loads his pack animals with gold and his equipment and his men, and then they take uh, they go to leave, but he probably shouldn't have spent so much time, oh, I don't know, packing up his stuff and blowing up the entrance to the mine, because the Apaches show up and they kill every last man. The pack animals, however, are not killed, and they are loaded with gold, and they run away, and supposedly for about 50 to 80 years, people wandering in the area would find the corpses of these pack animals with satchels of gold attached to them. That'd so they were, they were above ground find. finds. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, my, my one issue with it is that I don't exactly know how anybody knows that that's what, the, what happened to him and the men. Because Since nobody if they, survived. Well, yeah. yeah, they had to be survived. Or there's other people who said they found a whole host of corpses uh, several miles uh, out away from Weaver's Needle. So that must have been the the indication that the Apaches had guess, got them. I guess I don't know why you have such a problem with this. Because what we're saying is a group of Apache Indians mm-hmm. came and killed a bunch of dudes who were messing with their sacred site and survived that attack and left. And I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that they might have bragged to some people about it. And that's how we got this story was that they said, yeah, that guy that was digging in there, we killed them all because that's what happens to people who so mess the, with our So you're saying brand. the Apache were, were spreading the story that yeah. they had? Okay. Okay. I just making sure I understood uh-huh. who when you said that guy. Yeah. So for sure. me, it's like there are a bunch of there are a bunch of people who left that scene alive and it wouldn't be so crazy to me to say, especially if they were trying to disencourage. What's the discourage? discourage. <laughs> Thank you. Discourage people from going out there and searching for it anymore. They would say, "Yeah, you know what happened to the last guy who did that? We killed him and all of his and men. Everybody, yeah. We killed them all." And and there is an addition to this story, which I initially hadn't included, which is that there supposedly so, there was a doctor who was friendly to the Apache and helped them. And so what they did one day was they said, "We're going to pay you back." and we know what you Here's find violent, viable, uh, valuable. Mm-hmm. Can't say the word valuable all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. But they blindfold him, put him on a horse, take him somewhere, and he picks up as much gold as he can off the ground from there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there is. That's that's how we spread from there. I don't know. Yeah. I'm always just. I always question when it's and every man was killed. Yeah, but we know the story. Yeah, but again, right. it's like not literally not everyone was killed, right? True. Just. Just all of the workers who were digging the mines were killed. <laughs> and there were a bunch of people who did the killing. And actually, the uh, the workers were probably you know, slated to get killed anyway because they knew the where the mine was. Possible. Yeah. True. Yeah. 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 Oh, and by the way, uh, that's the one thing I was going to say is that story about the the 
guys who were found away from Weaver's Needle that, that people said must have been the, the killing ground. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's actually, I believe, it's called uh, Masker Grounds. It's actually a known site. Uh-huh. Um, so you can find it on the map, and I was all over Google Earth looking at this stuff. A lot of dead bodies there? No, no. i got to be honest with you. On Google Earth, this whole place is really not that fun to look at. Shocking. <laughs> it's brown, mm-hmm. a little bit of scrubby green, mm-hmm. and valleys and ravines. It's, yeah. it's really... But it's a known site as in a known place where there it's was It's a known gold. historical site where bodies were found, yes. Where bodies were found, not... There's there's ver- there's accounts that say that some gold was collected at that site, but I I didn't dig too deep in to see ah. if that was if that was historically true okay. or not. Uh, you know, this was one of those things. Sure. It's just it's in that that slide of so many bits of the story that I you can only you. run down so many. Okay. Okay. So lastly, let's move on to our most popular version of the story, which is the Dutchman himself. Yeah. Yep. I like this one. Yep. So our friend, the Dutchman, was an actual guy. We have historically know who he is. His name was, uh, I'm going to say it's Jacob Waltz, but it could be Jakob. I'm not sure which it's going to be, but I'm just going to refer to him as Waltz because that's safe. Yep. He was born in Germany in the early 1800s. He came to the Americas, or came to the U.S. in 1845, and he made his way in kind of this zigzaggy route south from New York. He went through North Carolina, and then he, you know, came across towards Texas, always chasing gold. He was always looking for the next place, because you got to remember, there was a lot of boom towns at this, this time in history, and people were mining things all over. And they died out pretty quick. They did. They would die out super fast. So he was chasing that all the time. And he eventually ended up in Arizona around Phoenix. And he ended up living out his years in that area. Okay. He, he was working his own mines there. And I know we all have that, that mountain man, miner idea in your head where the guy's up in the hills, in a hole in the hills, and, and then he comes out once in a great while to go to town and get his supplies, and that's all you ever see them. And while it's true that he would spend time at his own mines, he couldn't make a living doing that because he never had a really any kind of profitable claims. So he would go do work for other people. He would work in town. I mean, it, it was not uncommon uh, to, to do that. A lot of these prospectors had to do that to be able to feed themselves. Yeah, there wasn't actually, you know, all that many rich vines to be had out there, Big strikes aren't, still to this day, aren't very common. Yeah. I think of it as like a Deadwood sort of situation. Do mm-hmm. you guys ever watch yeah. Deadwood? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. how the prospectors were more for hire than anything else. And Sometimes, it would be, yeah. You would go work for the rich people who came into town thinking that their claim that they had just bought was going to be worth a lot of money and... You know, it was, that's kind of what I picture prospecting really like, not, you know, down in the mines, <laughs> pulling gold out. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Two ways to look at it. But yeah, that's exactly right. They, they didn't do it full time. Yeah. So we, we reach a little bit of a split in our story here with uh, Mr. Waltz. From here, there are variants of the story that he, um, so he met a, a fellow German by the name of Jacob Weiser, who uh, had been in the area as well. And the, there's some versions of the story, like I said, though, that have him. There's versions that don't. So we're just going to kind of run on maybe he did, maybe he didn't exist. But they showed up in the Phoenix area in 1870 and suddenly had 
a bunch of gold and drank on it for days before they packed up and headed back out into the mountains. And according to the legend of the story, Weiser did this for 20 years. He would show up with gold and, you know, live high in the hog for a while, and then he'd head back out in the hills. And there are variations that say how he found the gold. So this is some of the difficulty with the story. Some people say that uh, he accidentally stumbled onto one of those piles of gold that was attached to a dead pack animal. That would be reasonable. And easy. Mm-hmm. There are others that say that he or his, and his he and or his partner killed two Mexican miners who they took to be Apache. And then after they'd killed them, realized they were mining the area and then realized they had a valuable mine. Or there are the versions that say that these two were given a map by a Mexican Don whose life they saved. And let's flesh that out just a little bit. The Mexican Don, because who it turns it out been? it turns out it was a man who was Don Miguel Peralta. Peralta. That guy again. Again. Uh, and he was, a, according to this, he's a descendant of the man who had found the mine the first time. And the Dutchman saved him from certain death in a knife fight. Certain death. And as a reward, he let him look at a map he had of the mine, and then eventually he took him and if his partner, Wiser, existed out there, and supposedly they started working it, and eventually he was bought out. And then after a while, suddenly the partner stopped showing up, and people can't decide if he just died of natural causes, if the Apache killed him, or if Weiss killed him. You mean Waltz? Waltz. Wise. I don't know who Waltz. It's hard. They're both Jacob. Very similar names. Very similar names, Or if Waltz had killed him. So he kind of disappears at that point. Waltz himself dies in 1891, but not before he meets a woman named Julia Thomas. And it's really funny when you read the the accountings of her. I've heard that she was a, a rather young woman. I have heard that she was a rather old widow. Uh, I, you know, it goes back and forth what she did, but apparently he, he befriended her and maybe they had some kind of romantic relationship and he kept dropping hints about where his mind was and telling her that he would take her to it to see it in the spring. And then he died. Unfortunately, he died in, I believe it was October. Yeah, it was October of 1891. Was Julia Thomas perhaps a very young, beautiful girl who had found a guy who was promising, an older guy who was promising her a lot of stuff? Possibly. Okay. Mm-hmm. She is possibly that. Okay. She could also be a woman of, uh, you know, a mature woman. So Mm -hmm. not a 20 year old girl, but a 40 or 50, because she's always described as a widow. Mm. So she could have been the widow of a minor at, of a man at 20, or she could be the widow of a man in her Mm fifties. You'd never know. And her age is never specified anywhere. When they collected his body to take it away they found underneath his bed a sack of gold with very pure gold in it so everybody is excited to say that he got it from the the lost dutchman's mine of course and you know we've we've got to go get that and then of course since then people have been going out into the hills and digging holes like they're gophers and just riddling the area with with pockmarks So that's kind of where our story ends. There is one thing about this that I feel like I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't talk about, and that is the Peralta Stones. 
Of course. Again, the Peraltas pop up in our story. In the early 1950s, three stones, I guess technically four stones, uh, three rectangular stones were discovered in uh, Apache Junction, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And along with them, there was a heart-shaped stone that was found. The rectangular stones are made of sandstone, and they're called the Peralta stones. And then the heart stone is called the Latin heart. And we're talking things that had been made to be that shape by men, right? They are man-made. Yeah. Yes. So somebody did carve them somehow. Right. Yeah. And they're like bricks. They're about, what, 8 by 14 inches, something like that? I think they're, I thought they were more akin to like 11 by 17, but somewhere in that range, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always seen pictures of them, but I never got good dimensions on no them. No banana for scale. No banana for scale. Yeah, did it again. Um, so on one face, uh, so one of the stones is carved on both sides. And on one face of that, it's referred to as the priest map. And it shows an etching of a person wearing a pointed hat standing on a rectangle, which I believe is supposed to be a block. And it's got 1847 etched into that block. And they're swinging across uh, yeah, the shape of a cross down. And underneath that, there's a rectangle with a cross in it and a heart, almost like they're falling away from the cross. Mm. Then to the right of that, there are several lines of text in Spanish. On the opposite side of the stone is what is called the horse map. And that also has more Spanish on it, along with the engraving of, not surprisingly, a horse. Mm. And then there's some squiggly lines and some numbers on it. You take the other two stones, which these stones get stacked on top of one another. So they appears to only be carved on one face of each. And they have on their face, again, this is a series of squiggly lines and some numbers and there is in one of them a depression that has been carved in that is in the shape of a heart. And by the way, when I say the shape of a heart, I mean, you know, like the, the, the European Valentine right? heart yeah. shape. Exactly. That's exactly it. The lines that are on the, the stone run up to the edge of the heart, the uh, part of it that's in, uh, carved out. And if you take the Latin heart and put it into this spot, they, they mate up perfectly, and those lines continue across the Latin heart. So people interpret this to mean that these stones are a map, that they are reflective of certain geographic fi- uh, features yeah. in the area. And so they're trying, you see people always trying to mate these up to different maps, which depending on how you zoom in or out, you can put it into a thousand places. So One of them definitely looks to me to have maybe some like constellation drawings on it, maybe, or something like that as well. So you're probably referring to, it's a, it looks like a series of dots with lines connecting it? No, that's, that, that's what I would interpret as a a trail a path right but then there's the squiggly like one that looks kind of like a w and one that looks maybe like Uh, so you're interpreting them as constellations i got it okay or i mean mountains because one of them definitely looks like mountains and then there's a bunch in the sky that look like constellations to me i don't know yeah it's totally up to interpretation though it absolutely is i mean everybody okay not everybody a lot of people are convinced that it is a map that's meant to lead you to the lost dutchman's mine 
I find it strange that it showed up in the 1950s, but hey, what do I know? Oh, wait, um, I, I do know something because it turns out that most of the authorities on engraving from the 1800s and stoneworking have looked at these things and said they're fakes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Because the faces of the stones where the etching is, they're, they're rather smooth. And to have done that at the in period in the 1800s, you have to rub two stones together for quite a while with moist, with water between them mm-hmm. to wear them down. Doesn't appear to be that way. The lines and the shapes that are cut into them appear to have been cut with a modern power tool, and then somebody took some other implement to them to try to rough them up and make it look real. Antiquing them a little bit. Antiquing, yeah, yeah that's exactly it. That but they wouldn't don't, surprise me. For, for a lot of... Uh, of Experts on that kind of work, they they don't pass muster. They also don't, I mean, they don't look, for as old as they're supposed to be, those fine lines have held up remarkably well in the arid wasteland of the middle of the desert. So, You know what the other problems are? Oh, tell me, all of them. Okay, so the the Valentine's heart, that uh, it's kind of, it's a European thing, Mm -hmm. that didn't show up in Latin cultures until the 20th century, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. couldn't be in era. And the Spanish is poorly assembled sentences that are also using modern words and phrases. So there's a lot of things that call this out as not being truly period. Yeah. I And yeah, the map supposedly that's on them is just kind of like crude and meaningless. It, yeah. That's, yeah, I, it's hard to say. I've actually watched previews. There's a TV show, apparently, a reality show of a bunch of guys hiking around in that area using a map similar to this to try to locate the mine. And it is just so funny to watch them do it and overlay it on this and overlay it on that. Like, you can put that on whatever you want. Mm-hmm. If you zoom in and out, you'll eventually make it fit something. Something. So, mm, yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Theory time? Theories, yeah. yeah. I love theories. Shall we go down the, 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 the rabbit hole here? Yeah. And ha! We'll, we'll start off. Let's start off with the whole thing is a fake. Because that's one of this. There's two very basic theories here. Yeah. It's fake or it's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with it's fake. Not long before Walt showed up in Phoenix in 1870 or so with all of that gold that he was spending around town. Remember I said that he had been working other claims and things like that to make ends meet? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that he had been working at a a mine known as Vulture Mine, which was actually a super productive mine. It ran from 1863 to 1942, so eight years. Yeah. Well, he was fired, uh, apparently, for stealing. What? So it is very possible that he simply stole some gold from Vulture, the Folger mine, mm-hmm. went out in the superstitions, and then came in and said he'd totally found it. Yeah. So that yeah. is totally a plausible thing. Great way to launder your money. It's a good way to launder your money. It's also a really good way to build trust to open a line of credit, say. If you come rolling into town with a bunch of really pure gold and you spend it all, but you say, but you you've said that more it's of it. from that one, that thing, you know, it's out there. There's a mine out there. It's super productive. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out in a couple of days. I just need, you know, a couple more drinks, one more night in the hotel, and then I'm good. 
I mean, I know that's not attached to the story necessarily, but... but yeah, no, that, that stuff ha- did happen, and maybe he did it several times, came back several times, mm-hmm. and that's how he built up that kind of trust. I mean, yeah, it yeah. could be. I don't know. He could have hit a bunch and, you know, kept back out. Actually, in those days, you probably didn't want to walk, walk around with your entire fortune oh, in right. your no, pockets. No, no. Yeah. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You're, but, you're aiming actually, to get these, shot. Actually, these days even, too. Yeah, but, you know, stealing a bunch, mm-hmm. getting fired for that, mm-hmm. and then needing to build up a name for yourself somewhere else. Yep. It's not unreasonable to think this is a good way to curry trust from mm-hmm. people. They'll think that I have a lot of money. They think I have a productive claim. And then when I run out of this money, they'll trust me. Yeah. So I can and, just ride that then, for a while. you know, do what I got to do. And maybe he intended just to skip town, town, but yeah. he had enough. Probably. And he just stretched it out. I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's go and quickly talk about uh, his dear lady friend, Julia Thomas. Okay. Yeah. And Julia took care of him in his, la- his later years, right? According to versions of the story, yes. Yeah. At least in the last year. Do we know how he died? Was uh, it old age? I believe he just died of old age. Okay. It wasn't as if he died of a mysterious knife wound to the back. Right, but I didn't uh, know if it was he had an injury or an illness or something. As far as I can tell, okay. he was in his 70s. Okay, and, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's he'd been working out the, the mountains his entire life. So, yeah. She, though, Julia Thomas... She might actually be the reason that we know this story and that mm. it's so popular. And that's because after Walt died, she and two other men went out into the Suspicion Mountains looking for the mine. And after they couldn't find it, they came back and she started selling maps to the mine. So now she's making money by saying, this is this is a map based on what he told me or gave me. Mm. Which is suspicious. It's almost a gold mine in and of itself. It huh? is. Like it's nice, kind of nice, cool. Well played there. In 1892, she spoke with a writer named Pierpont C. Bicknell. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, like, I love that name. name. Pierpont C. Bicknell. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote, a, he wrote several stories uh, over the years about this. And not surprisingly, the, the details changed from edition to edition. Uh, he was writing his articles, at least the one that we're going to cite, came from the San Francisco Chronicle, which actually had a pretty decent circulation for the time. Yeah. yeah. But there's no internet. You there can't is search no the internet. archive very easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the only way to go. So it's easy, yep. right? It's easy mm-hmm. to just print a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. You can just do what you want. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take an excerpt from an article that he put out, uh, wrote, and it was in the January 13, 1895 edition of the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, Joe, can you do uh, your best 1890s newsman voice for us? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm going to do gruff mountain man voice here. Well, that's not oh, very my newsy. Mine an imaginary circle whose diameter is not more than five miles. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to work. You don't think that's going to work? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, let, me, let me start over again here. Okay. Okay, let's just do it this way. Just a flat Midwestern accent. Uh, the mine lies within an imaginary circle whose diameter is not more than five miles and whose center is marked by the weaver's needle, which is about 2,500 feet higher uh, among a confusion of lesser peaks and mountain masses of basaltic rock. The first gorge on the south side from the west end of the range, uh, they found a monumental... Yeah, the sentence structure is a little weird. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. We're missing a, we're missing a verb there. Uh, they found a monumental trail which led them northward past Sombrero Butte into a long canyon. Travel northward in the gorge and up over a lofty ridge, (laughs) 
hence downward past the needle into a canyon running north, and finally into a tributary canyon, very steep and rocky, and densely wooded with a continuous thicket of scrub oak. Reads like a legal description, actually. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's not exactly... And, and where he got all these details is really, really confusing to me. Uh, the only thing that I can guess, and I know a lot of people think, is that he gave an interview to Julia... Or Julia Thomas gave an interview to him, I should say. And then he ran with it and he added things. He changed the name of Weaver's Needle to... Uh, so, like it says in here, I think Sombrero Butte. He used to call it uh, Sombrero Peak. Like the names always kind of got shuffled about. Well, that's mm. journalism for you. <laughs> is that what that is? Uh, yeah. Okay. Here's the, the thing about about this description and, and, of course, the map that Julia Thomas says uh, was selling is that Waltz did drop some hints. Apparently, he was known for dropping some hints about where the mine was. But nothing anywhere seems to lend me to believe that it was as such a detailed description as this. There were people who tried to follow him. It's according to the legend. He would go out and people say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to knock him over his head when I find his mind. I'm going to take his claim. Except that he would always shake who was ever following him. So I sometimes wonder if, if that is true, that bit about him shaking people, maybe people... he. Bicknell talked to people who gave bits and pieces that then Bicknell assembled along with the, the stuff that he got from Julia Thomas. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a complete guess on my part as to where this f- fantastic word problem of a description comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on to the other thing that makes me think that possibly this whole thing is a fake, and that is the Peraltas. Yeah. Once again, we're going to talk about those folks. Those guys keep popping up in this thing. They did. The first mention of them comes from documents that were filed in 1882. And that documentation was from a scam that was made up by a man named James Revis. And because supposedly the Peraltas were actually in the area for a long, long time before that, right? According to the lineage that uh, Revis made... Yes, the name Peralta is a very common name. So mm. there were, it is very possible that there were people with that name in the area, but it seems that the lineage that is assigned to this may have actually been taken from this scam that uh, that he was doing because he was trying to do it in a, in a land grab bid. Mm. He claimed to be related to the family and he claimed that he was working with the family or they had they had given him this and there was Mm -hmm. some land claim deed deed stuff going on he pulled this at least one other time Mm -hmm. um and he 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 would double down on it and then he'd get caught and he'd go to jail and he'd start a different scam but then from there the name didn't show up again until the bicknell article so it may be that McNell heard, oh, well, there was the Peraltas. Well, let's go ahead and pull that into the story. And, and maybe that's where the, the seed of that part mm. came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so this part to the story, and there's variants on that, I believe. It's one is that the Peraltas had a mine or two. Mm-hmm. Or another one is that they just had a buttload of gold that they hid up in the Superstitions Mountain. There was also that they were rich cattle ranchers. Yeah. There was also that, that that controlled a huge swath of the area. Although I think the cattle rancher one is from the the Revis scam. Yeah, probably. Yeah. The last thing that I have uh, for this theory is that, you know... 
People have been scouring the Superstition Mountains and especially in the area around Weaver's Needle for over a hundred years and nothing's been found. Mm -hmm. Nobody has found a thing. Um, And if indeed the thing is truly there, the chances of anybody finding it, well, they're amazingly fantastic and they're very low. And I say they're very low because the area has been closed to mining. Uh, It was closed in 1984 under the Wilderness Act of 1964, which said you can't go in and do this stuff. Prospecting today is allowed, and that is wander around, pick up rocks off of the ground, and then take them home and figure out what they are. No digging. If you want to dig, that is considered mining, and you've got to get a permit to mine. You can also do what is called treasure trove hunting, which is you go along and you try to find some kind of treasure that's just sitting around. Uh, but you've also got to get a permit for that. So it's a, a real, the, the, the act is set up with a real catch-22. You can't show a find unless you dig for it. But you can't dig for it to have a, a claim to show. And if you dig for it and you suddenly show up with this claim, they're going to put you in irons and mm. lock you away yeah. for digging unprotected land. I love a bureaucracy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. As I, I knew, I used to work with somebody, and her husband was a scuba diver, and he and a friend discovered this treasure trove of cars at the bottom of the Willamette River. Because mm-hmm. uh, people, back before they closed the ramp by the Selwood Bridge, people would just, like, shove their cars into the river and report them <laughs> stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and so they wanted to salvage these cars, and the state was like, well, you can't, you can't salvage those cars unless you have title to them. And they're going like, well, how are we going to get title unless we pull them out of the water? Well, we don't care. <laughs> Eventually, they worked it out. But, uh, yeah, it took them a while. Yeah, I'm getting sure. Getting that to... bureaucratic mindset. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. yeah. I don't even want to know how they had to go about that. But, yeah, awesome. Okie doke. Let's go on to theory section number two, which is it's real. <gasps> you like how they put a little bit of feeling behind that? Yeah. I mean, I guess I... Yeah. Are you are you giving me a, a C minus on my my acting I skills? Am. I am. No, I was more gonna say to the point of nobody's found it. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's kind of like, well, okay, you can't mine, right? So even if there was this mine, and also, what's what's to say that it wasn't just totally mined dry? That's actually very mm-hmm. possible. You know, that would account for nobody having found it, but... Well, and people have said they found it. So yeah. if we're going to start in... The, this isn't something that I've got on what you guys are looking at, but there is a guy who in the late 70s, I believe it was, uh, maybe it was the 60s... 1970s? Yes. Okay. <laughs> said, said he, I believe it was that age, mm-hmm. he said he had met some men who had known the, the Dutchman, and they had told him what the Dutchman had told them and he went out and he found the Dutchman's mine but it wasn't around Weaver's Needle it was in another area in a valley up a hill up a mountain and it was a pit mine and he pulled out you know a couple 10 or 20 thousand dollars worth of gold at the time Mm -hmm. and the thing ran dry yeah so it is possible that somebody else found it not knowing it was the Dutchman's mine yeah you're absolutely right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Okay, so sorry. Th- no, that's fine because this is this is right yeah. along the lines of the yeah. fact that yes, lots of people have been finding gold in and around the Phoenix area. I mean, we just we talked about the vulture mine, mm-hmm. Over, almost a hundred years in operation for for God's sakes. Um, uh, although I've I've heard too though that uh, geological surveys of the Superstition Mountains indicate there isn't likely to be any gold there. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's, I've heard that. I've also heard people say, well, you've got to find the vein. There are precious metals. I mean, there's a huge copper mine right uh, just to the east of the superstitions that is being mined. Mm. So there is stuff in the ground. I mean, I, I don't know. And what well, is it? The mercury vapor test. Is that what you're talking about? Is that the one you're referring to that was saying that there wasn't probably a lot of gold in the area? I don't, I don't know. I just read there was, they did a survey. I'm not sure exactly okay. how they determined it was, if it was just geological. It's like this is the kind of rock where you're just not, you know, it's like igneous rock, volcanic or in origin. My understanding is that gold veins come from things like meteor impacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, the, but a lot of the volcanic activity in the West is actually pretty recent in geological terms. And so and so there probably are some rich gold veins, but they're buried underneath a huge slab of lava. And True. So, yeah. And but you know, I mean again there there were gold th- fields found. I mean there's a place called Goldfield. Mm-hmm. There was not too far away from where people think the Lost Dutchman's mine is. There was the Black Queen mines which were super productive mines for a while. So I mean there there is gold. There is gold wow. in the area. Getting to it and finding it is the problem. And you know, then that's that's part of the reason that like the the Wildlife Act of 1964 was used to close the area because mm-hmm. you know how people used to go prospecting dynamite oh. dynamite you just blow stuff idea. up until something sparkles and so it looked like the, the 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 whole area started looking like the surface of the moon yeah and that's one of the reasons they did it because people were just going crazy because yeah. they could because it was who cares it's the middle of nowhere yeah and so but people did find gold i mean it did get found mm-hmm. now does that mean that the lost dutchman's mind is real i don't know uh, yeah hard to yeah. say I mentioned just a, uh, briefly a second ago was the I used the term pit mine. We I at least in my head always had this idea that the Dutchman's mine must be your typical mine that is just a hole cut in the side of a mountain and it burrows straight down and slowly slopes down. But there's there's our mines where guys just dig straight down. It's oh, yeah. literally just a pit in the ground. You just dig a hole. You dig a hole and you you put timbers around it so it doesn't collapse on you and eventually you stop getting anything out of it and then you just walk away and nature fills it in. <laughs> so it, that's why we talk about the it could have been mined out mm-hmm. or maybe he mined it out mm-hmm. and it just over time filled in we don't know mm, i don't know how often they fill in they fill in with dead bodies because people keep falling, falling into yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well you know actually the the landscape in the area has changed in the last hundred years not just because of bozos out there with dynamite but there are uh, there have been earthquakes I think there have been a half dozen strong earthquakes in the last hundred years, enough that That'll collapse the, your mine shaft, collapse oh. a mine shaft, cause rock slides. So it could be that the pit was filled in with material, or the entrance collapsed, or it was covered in a rock slide. I mean, this is mm-hmm. these are things that very easily could have happened, and so that's why we don't see anything. You know, everybody's yeah. like, oh, well, that's obviously just a, a bunch of stuff that's sloughed off. It it can't be behind that. You just keep going. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a total guess. Uh, I do want to say as a public service announcement here that if you do decide to go out and mine for the Lost Dutchman on your own, you want to go dutching because that's uh, what it's called. Uh, give mm-hmm. me your car keys first. <laughs> your wallet. I'll look after them. I want you. Uh, you need to get a guide. You need to take the right provisions because it is very easy to get lost and to suffer great injury, if not die. Uh, if you really want to do this, uh, you can actually do- join the Lost Dutchman's Mining Association and for a small 
annual fee of just under $5,000, they'll let you go to their site, which is right near where they say the Lost Dutchman's Mine is, and you can dig for gold there. Yeah. I think that's probably a better way to invest your money. I agree. Smart. And a $5,000 one-time fee or $5,000 Oh, that's a if year. you pay all up at once. You, they've got oh, okay. payment plans. Oh, okay. You can, you can spread it out as long as you want. You don't get the discounts if you don't pay up front. Yeah. But. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess, you know, for me, one of the things is it's all circled around the needle, right? They weaver's needle. It's weaver's needle. It's all weaver's needle. But I've been hiking before. Yeah, I've been. I have. What's it like? It's, it's cool. Yeah. And we live near the Cascades, so you go in the Cascades, and you can tell the difference between that's the mountain, mm-hmm. and this is all of the other littler mountains, mm-hmm. cones, things mm-hmm. around it. But I don't know that I could necessarily, and granted, I'm a layman, right? But I can't necessarily, when I'm standing next to a thing, say, oh, this is the tallest peak in this area. Versus that's the tallest peak in this area versus that thing that's 20 miles away is the tallest peak in this area. So I don't know how much room for error there is on saying, yeah, it was the biggest thing around. Cause well, Weaver's Needle is very distinct. Okay. It is a very distinct, it it's almost looks like a, an obelisk. And it has been? Yeah. And that's throughout been all of the earthquakes time. and stuff? And and you know it might just be one of these one of these things. That's like the guy who's looking under the under the street light for his car keys, even though he didn't drop them there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that. Weaver's Needle is such a distinctive landmark that how could you leave it out of your story? You know, right. it's, it's great. Wow, this is this fabulous landmark that's easy to find. Everybody mm-hmm. knows what it is. Very recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So not surprising. I guess. So, I, but that sort of leads me towards the fake part of things. I guess. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although I, you for me. If I'm trying to hide a mine and people mm. are really pushing me for info and give saying, them a little bit of disinformation, yeah, especially especially if this is the sort of situation where I've got a mine and I just want a line of credit for a couple of drinks, and they're like, "Okay, Joe, I'll pour you another drink if you give me like one hint as to where your mine is," mm. and you say oh, it's near Weaver's Needle, yeah. and they'll go, oh, "Okay, yeah, I know where that is. Okay, cool. Here's your, you know, here's your thing. Here's your whiskey. Yeah." Versus saying, y- "You know that fourth biggest peak <laughs> on the east side yeah, there's that. it's there it's that area you i mean that's not what you're gonna say right you might know in your brain that's where it is but i think especially if you're trying to sell maps like julia thompson yeah you're just gonna that's say it's, that, it's there yeah it's uh but a... i think it exists you do i yeah. do okay I, I would like to think it does but i also have a feeling that if it did it's it's been cleaned out long ago, and it's just yeah. it's a story. Possible. As always, it's it's the story is snowballed, and the mine is now in tellings much greater than it ever was in actuality. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe I think there's time. definitely a nugget of truth here. Oh god. Oh yeah. I wow. Think, um... Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, last thing I was going to tell you guys is I really found interesting is there was a book called Earthcore that I, uh, I listened to several years ago. And it had, when I was listening to it, all these features that were described and about these guys who were mining and yada, yada. And as I was researching The Lost Dutchman's Mind, I realized, I was like, wow, a lot of this sounds like the terrain around uh, Weaver's Needle. It makes me wonder if this is what was the, 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 the foundation of the story or the inspiration for it. The story is set somewhere else, but it was just really interesting. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to go pick up Earthcore again. Damn it. Earthcore, <laughs> huh? And find out if that's it. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of tending to think that uh, if I found a great vein of gold and I'm going into town and people are asking me about it, I would send them totally in the wrong direction. So there might be a lost mine or a great vein of gold, but it's probably not in the superstitions at all. Well, that's the same. Would, yeah, it's, it's right along the same thing as what Devin was saying. Yeah, you might you might walk out towards Weaver's Needle knowing that you can easily ditch the guys that are following you mm-hmm. and then hang a right and start heading east to your real site. Yeah, which is not even in the mountains Which at all. is not even there. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, and so, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, probably it might have been a rich vein somewhere, but not in the Superstition Mountains. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, like I said, the, there are mines right in that area, right around where everybody thinks it. And I think that's part of why the legend is so so solid and, mm. and built in is just because there was actual productive mines. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a cool legend. I mean, yeah. I've, I've liked, uh, I've enjoyed reading about this one since I was a kid. Yeah. It's been around a long time. It has. And I think we've probably sunk enough time into this one. So oh, yeah. let's oh. go ahead. <laughs> Devin started it. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead. I and, did not. So we should probably go ahead and give everybody their favorite bit of information. Because I know nuggets this is, of information. Yeah. yeah. She already used that one. You got to uh, come up with something better. Uh, you're really, you're mining for something now. Oh. That was just as bad. Well, we have a website. Uh, if you want to go see that website, it is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. We'll have some links for research on this episode, along with all of our other episodes, so you can listen to and download from there. Uh, I know a lot of people are using iTunes, so if you're on iTunes, subscribe. Do take the time to leave a rating and a review, because that's what helps other folks find us. We're on uh, pretty much every streaming service that's out there. I know that people are using Stitcher. I also know that we hear a lot from Google Play. Uh, A lot of people are finding us on there. So whatever service you're using, we're on there. And if it allows you to rate and review, please do so on that as well. We're on social media, so we have multiple accounts. Mm. We are on Facebook, where we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Uh, So you have to join the group, but there's always good stuff and fun discussions going on in there. We are on Twitter. We are thinking sideways without the G in the middle, because there's that character limit thing on Twitter. Just like what you can tweet, the Mm -hmm. names are abbreviated as well. Precisely. uh, Where Devin sends out weird stuff and confuses people, and it's it's quite entertaining. I keep making jokes, and nobody's getting them anymore. Yeah, Um, they're falling flat. uh, I'll I'll set up a fake account, and I'll pretend to get them. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Um, we are also on Reddit, so we have a subreddit which is Thinking Sideways, and there uh, I've been noticing a lot more stuff coming through Reddit lately. So there is more; it's picking up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's taking some time. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of us, you can do so through our email account. So if you have a question, you have a concern, you want to share a story, you just want to chat, you send us that email at Thinking Sideways Podcast at Gmail dot com. Do be aware we get a lot of emails, so these days we're, we're typically a little bit behind but we're still working we're still trying to get to everybody as as best we can Mm -hmm. Uh, now you're probably thinking to yourself well this is awesome and i'd like to help you out well there's a couple of different ways you can support the show we sell merchandise we have shirts and mugs and other stuff that i can't even think of of what it is at the moment stickers that's the other word i couldn't think of nightlife i lost stickers they are both available. All those things are available through Zazzle and Redbubble. You can find those on the right-hand panel of our website, the links to those two, to directly to our pages. 
We have a account with PayPal. If you want to do a one-time donation, you're more than welcome to do that, and we appreciate that. If you'd like to do it on a recurring basis, then that's where you're going to go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Thinking Sideways, where you can pledge a certain amount per episode. So every time an episode drops, then what you have pledged would be the amount that would come out and go to us. And we appreciate that just as much as people who are buying merchandise and people who are using the PayPal. That's awesome, Helps us out, and it is very awesome, and thank you. And and if you uh, prefer to sort of stay off the radar, if you're like a drug kingpin, whatever... Just send us an email. We'll give you our P.O. box. You can send us an envelope full of cash or maybe a, you know, a kilo of cocaine, whatever. We appreciate all contributions. We really do. So send us that email. Uh, for every, anybody who is listening, disregard what Joe said, except uh-uh. for the part of sending us cash. Yeah. Yeah. The drugs, not so much. Okay, no. fine. Okay. We are going to go ahead and wrap this one up and call it a night. So thanks a lot, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Uh, toodaloo. I was waiting for a better pun. Sorry, I, know, I don't we, have one. I, I, I got nothing. Used them all up. Mind out, tapped out, mm, pretty hit much. the bottom. Yeah. Nothing more in there. Really run this vein dry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had uh, nothing, I was, like I said. Uh, kept mm-hmm. digging. Next week. <laughs>